may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty But they like to talk about Cardiff City It's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny And not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny and... So you, obviously you scored the first you scored the first goal in a competitive game in that red kit um a friday night game against huddersfield sort of thinking back um did that game feel strange like was the atmosphere off as you walk out compared to what it was sort of same last season the season before yeah of course i think yeah because it had been such a thing and rightly so you're as fans watching your team play in a completely different color with a, a different badge and it I, I, I can understand where you where where that what sort of what are you watching like where's our team probably thinking that um, but as us like i said as a group of players and we, we actually i think we got battered a little bit by huddersfield at the time we didn't play well we defended well but we didn't we didn't play well in the game just want to win the game um, and we want to get three points and we want to stick together and we did have that kind of gritty determination as a as a, as a unit and obviously yeah I mean it was a bit of a bit of a scrap at the end and obviously I got on the end of one really late and we won one nil and sort of set us on, on its way but yeah it was it was a weird atmosphere for sure for sure just for jumping because when we spoke to Gunnison, he said that um, he's he deleted his social media profiles that season because he'd never known such anger from the fans, even around mm. derby games and things like that. Did you get a sense of that as well? Or you know, I, I know you've talked about trying to be professional, but Aaron said that he tried to be professional, but he still encountered it on almost like a daily basis. Yeah, of course. And again, like I said, I understand mm-hmm. fans of the football club that. Uh, are wondering why um, and don't want to accept it, which again, that's you've, like I said, generation and generation of, of of Cardiff fans watch their team play with that badge in blue. Um, but what what I wasn't again going to delete the social media. I'm not. I didn't think it was directed directed at us as players, so I never ever took mm-hmm. any of it personally. So I never let that bother me in that respect because I knew it wasn't at it's not at the players. Of course, it's not, not a decision that we were involved in, um, but we are employed by that football club. Um, yeah. We want to do well for the football club and obviously the fans because unbelievable. So, and you just have to focus on the football. And that's all we could do because it was not in our hands to, to talk about. It wasn't a decision that we were involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just want to do well. So you, all you can do is do your job. You did your job well that season. The team really, really kicked on. Um, players came in attack. Sort of, You saw people like Herd Huggson come in. Fraser Campbell came in. Etienne Velikonia came in. Quickly forgotten about. Um the team was great all over, um, mainly because it was investment from Tan. What sort of changed with that team? Like we saw what changed on field, but did anything really? Was there a switch in focus behind the scenes as well? I think it was a team growing as well. We still had, I think, a core unit of players that were at a good age that were getting better year on year, um, and 
a growing bond of if we don't play well, <laughs> which we did um, on probably many occasions. Um, but yeah, we 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 added in certain areas that we needed probably needed a bit more maybe creativity. Um, maybe that we could tweak formations slightly during during games before games um, and give us a maybe a more consistent level of performance across the squad. Um, so yeah, I think the age of the group was, like I said, it's probably a big thing as well. I think once you get to that two, three years in with certain players that are trying to progress and starting to find their feet as well, then that helps. How tough is it to win a championship? It seems like it's the most competitive league going. It's not like other leagues, yeah. sort of like you look at the Premier League where there's only four teams that can realistically win it. When you step into a championship season, other than probably two or three teams, every other team's looking, this is our year. Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's not to be underestimated, for sure. Uh, it's, there's many, many, many teams that have tried to do it and can't sustain it. And it's a physical league. It's got, the football's got, year on year has got more sort of technical, more tactical. There's a lot more in, into it. There's some top, top players in that in that league. Um, and there's some top managers, top coaches. And the money in it's huge now as well. So it is to go a 46-game season as well as sometimes cup runs. Um, not to say that, I mean, I couldn't look at the stat, but if it, the teams that win it, do they have good cup runs? I'm not too sure. Very but rare. It is a, it, very rare. Yeah, so it's 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 a long season. It's gruelling. You've got to, you've got to recover well because they come thick and fast the, the games as well. There's certain months taken away. Obviously, the last year with with COVID, um, <clears> the certain months seven games in, and then back that up with a, a five to six game month as well. So it's relentless. And I think mentality as well is it's a huge part. If you've got a strong group that are willing to drive it, because it's the, they're the ones that are leading it. Um, yes, you've had a game going into it, but as, as you've you've watched thousands of games, I'm sure that you you see that on a flick of a coin, the game's changed. On um, away from you, you could concede two within three four minutes, but you what we had was a group of leaders and that was that was probably ultimately that we could look each other in the eye in a dark moment on the pitch and go we'll get through that and be fine you could see the championship trophy lifting day how much that meant to you and those players um what are those celebrations like there are some boys there that we know are a different level this pictures <laughs> Gunnison and Campbell in McDonald's by the stadium about 10 o'clock that night how good was it because it looked fun I was, wow, yeah, probably went on a little bit too long, but it was, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, again, these, these these moments in careers, are, someone said to me the other day, you've got to enjoy every moment in life, and I think if you do not enjoy, because the, there's plenty of low moments in life, if you do not enjoy your highs, then what's the point? And we thoroughly enjoyed that high. <laughs> I um, felt like the club gave you two opportunities to do it because you had the celebration of the actual night with, with like the trophy being presented, but then it was also the parade down the bay where clearly you lads had a wicked time on the club's bill. 
<laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably. I mean, it was on the club's bill, but yeah, we probably chipped in along the way as well. It was. Um, <laughs> I mean, the opportunity to, to have that, um, and obviously the club have gone on to do it again. But to have that and have the fans with us um, and the parade on the bus, just insane. It was just class. I remember getting, I think we were running out, running out of beer at one point on the open top bus and it was getting launched from, so lads were running alongside of the bus just launching beers onto the top of the bus. <laughs> I'm sure we were shouting, we're running out. We just kept, someone would run off, get a load of cans, just start throwing them on the bus. I was just like, this is just, it was mayhem, but I think everyone's on cloud nine. Because you, again, the fans have supported the team throughout that season, highs and lows. Mm-hmm. I've been through every emotion that the players go through, for sure. Probably more, because we probably have emptied out by Saturday night, say, on a game, and then we're emotionally drained. Whereas the fans will go home and talk about it till they literally fall asleep. Um, and so to do, to be there together at the end and have gone through that season, um, again, with everything that went on at the beginning of the season and still be united. I think that's probably why it was so big. I think you spoke about like the connection from, well, for me personally, I didn't feel as connected with the club as I had in previous years, but that group of players, it felt like you were like never met you, probably said hello to you as you walk into the stadium every now and again, but it felt like we were mates. It felt that was where the connection was at that stage. It wasn't so much with mm. behind the scenes and the club. We couldn't really identify with the club with that new identity. But those players, every player given their all for us, yeah. that's where the bond was. I yeah. think that's where it came from. Well, I think that, and obviously people are correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's what most fans want to see, is it not? Um, I think you want to see a group of players regardless of form sometimes because form can go out the window um, and you can you can try everything to be in good form and it, it sometimes just ain't happening but what you will relate to is completely emptying out every single game whatever minute you come on if you start if you finish the game if you've blown up after 60 65 you just want to see full commitment um, yeah. and I think that's what we did um and I can't look, I can't remember looking around the dressing room and ever thinking, I'm not sure you gave it all today. I don't think I can remember one moment of that. And I think we were an honest group. I think we, when we did fail and not play well, or we lost, which wasn't too many times, I don't think that year, that we owned it. It was like, yeah, we, well, we know. Um, we know it wasn't good enough, but we're strong enough as 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 people to go, yeah, well, we put that right, and we more than likely did, yeah. And what's it, what's it like to, to be able to say that you, you're a Premier League player then, the following season? That's obviously you got promoted, it's it's kind of mm. like you've reached the top of the, the Football League and now you're a Premier League player. How does that feel? I think, obviously, the exciting leading up, the big, um, there's lots of stuff has to go on at the stadium to, to, to get the stadium ready with, um, obviously, all the TV and there's there's lots of media attention starts mm-hmm. to create. Obviously, there is, there is in the championship, and there is when you get promoted. But then, obviously, Sky and it's another level, isn't it? It's another level, yeah. Um, so, the, the sort of the hype was coming. Could feel it. Um, there's there's a lot more press that come to every press conference, every training session when they're open. 
Um, so yeah, you're aware of it. Um, and some players, I was lucky enough to have seen it before. So you, you do understand what's coming and you're trying to make sure everyone's just going to try and perform as well, as well as they can. So it's, it's exciting. Yeah, for sure. You've got, you know, that when the fixtures come out, it's a big, big day. Um, I think more for what I remember was I was trying to get fit mm -hmm. and it was probably taking longer than I could, than I thought it would. Um, and that was probably what was a big part of my sort of mindset at the time was trying to focus on obviously being as, as good a club captain and team and help everyone as, as well as trying to focus on getting as, as fit as I could. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the Premier League year, we'd say it, it didn't go as, as planned for a number of reasons. Was it was then that was that a, a disappointment then? Because you, you, know, you didn't get the game time, you missed out on the games. This might be in player of the year the season before. How, how did you take that? As a you know, as captain, as a teammate. Yeah, I think again, I'm I'm quite good at, at looking maybe internally and seeing whether I deserve to play. Mm -hmm. um, was I good enough? Was I fit enough? Um, was I good enough to be a regular playing Premier League football? I didn't ever, so I wouldn't say that I was probably good enough to play regularly in the Premier League. But whether that opportunity didn't come, did come. If I was good enough, I probably would have played. Um, so whether it's stepped too far for me personally, um, maybe. Um, I, and I'm honest with that. It's not something I think I'm not thinking back. Oh, it's someone else's fault that I never played mm. as much as I wanted to in the Premier League. Yeah, lucky or grateful enough to be part of something that got there um, and played a handful of games across my career in the Premier League. But I think obviously some went on to, to perform really well. Um, I think whether it was a team collective or not, some individual performances across that season in Premier League, very, very good. And um, just wasn't enough. It didn't, it didn't happen for us. Um, and, and we struggled as a, as, a, as a club at that point. We obviously, as fans, we heard all these stories about Tan, Malky and the, the, them being at loggerheads and everything. Um, what was it like behind the scenes? Was there ever a sense that there was that tension or did it did it ever never cross those boundaries? I think the players only get aware of certain situations like that when it comes towards maybe a decision being made. Okay. Um, I think there's always going to be talk when results don't go your well, uh, go go your way. I think mm -hmm. this and some players I know that will never ever read anything about the football club they're at or won't just maybe can't read actually <laughs> um, I won't know any name um, but then yeah then when you when you you're one you realize that the results aren't going well um, and then then obviously there's certain maybe meetings that you're waiting on and the manager's not quite there ready or he's been called away or mm -hmm. So yeah, you can, you do become aware of certain situations, but only towards what I would say is when a decision is going to be made. Um, and then when that came up, it, it, obviously the decision was made, um, and then manager changes, and you kind of firstly there's all the rumours that who it could be. Um, you're getting asked questions, obviously one by press, by friends, by teammates. Do you know what's going on? And no, I don't. I have to wait and see because so one, you know no, you know nothing until a manager is appointed basically 
No, I mean, it's, no, I don't, because it's it's such um imagine when you're appointed a manager, then you don't want it to get out. Of course. Um, so then I wouldn't, obviously, <laughs> depends if you're trustworthy or not, but I think if uh, I don't see why as a captain or as a player, you would be privy to that information. I don't think you'd need to be. Um, unless it was someone that you knew and they knew you knew and you worked with them before, then maybe there's been a conversation to say, oh, I know you've played with him, but what do you think? Or But not at the time, didn't know anything what was going on. No, it's, it's How do you react though when you, you sort of walk into, sorry, when you walk into the change room one day, the manager's gone, the next thing you hear is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's going to be the man taking charge. Is that not, it, the club at that time was surreal anyway. It was, odd Every, anything and everything was happening from the head of recruitment being the guy that was hired to paint the stadium through to changing the color of the kit then to hear Ole Gunnar Solskjaer the Champions League winning baby like Manchester United legends coming in he's going to be a manager is that not just a bit odd <laughs> I mean I think obviously I've known football and I've been involved in it in a long time I don't think there's anything um, in football that doesn't surprise you I think, um, or, or, or you're surprised by. I think football is is like that. Um, they've, Seems Cardiff had a go to try and make it happen, though. They could say, yeah. <laughs> well, it's just like, trying to surprise you, man. Yeah, <laughs> they had a good go. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, again, once once the manager is appointed and you're a player, you're not sitting there thinking why or. Mm-hmm. All you should be thinking of as a player is, I want to do well. <laughs> and that's my honest opinion is that regardless of whether you know them or they've been like, a, I don't know, like a, a Pochettino or a Pep that's been at the top of the game, that shouldn't make you want to be better, for, in mm-hmm. my opinion. You should want to be good. And it, it should come from within the drive. So when, when a new manager's coming, one, there's a bit of, the group are responsible for letting that happen for a manager to be changed. Um, so there's a little bit of that that's in the dressing room, a bit of sort of maybe the morale's gone a little bit. Um, maybe there's a little bit of edginess because maybe players aren't playing well. Um, and there's a bit of self-doubt that creeps in. Um, but then as soon as that manager then changes and comes in, it's like, well, no, we, we want to succeed individually and as a group and we're going to take on board what this manager is going to give us i mean we've heard we've heard several stories about ole one being i think ben turner said recently in a video that he was picking players as the chairman said uh, kevin norton told us about how he dropped in while he was getting his chicken and beans or whatever it was um <laughs> the how, chicken how did, and beans how... are <laughs> i've heard yes. that it sounds like a, a Kev classic, shall we say. Um, how, how did how, how was he with you? Obviously, we know towards the end, perhaps the relationship wasn't as good as it could be. But how was he with you at the start as, as captain? And, and did he lean on you for things? Or was it just a, a case of getting on with Yeah, him? I mean, I remember um, there was like new plans for the training ground was going to be redeveloped. And Still waiting for that. I was in... <laughs> I was involved well I was sat in one of the meetings on it they called me <laughs> in to be involved in it showed me the plans and so I was yeah they they, they asked me obviously the captain at the time and tried to help as much as I could help um, and yes yeah, so I was 
big part in conversations that were going on and what I thought. And yeah, so I remember lots of conversations for sure. Um, and and we, we've already kind of touched upon it, but obviously fast forward until that summer and the kind of departure and the way it ended with you at Cardiff City. Um, obviously, I think it, it left a, a bit of a sour taste in a lot of the fans' fans' mouths and we were a bit disappointed with the way it ended. Um, it, it seems like he messed you about that summer a little bit with the staying, coming and going and that kind of thing. How did, how did it make you mm. feel as a, as a player that, you know, if you kind of... Yeah, I think obviously it's, it hurts. Um, one, one, because... I've been, I'd had my two boys there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've created a family there. Um, and I felt part of the family, um, part of the fans. I felt part of the club and didn't see it coming up really for years, maybe. I mean, I never really thought about time. I never thought, well, I could be here for this, this and this and this, but I never thought about it ending yeah um so so when it did it was gutted obviously absolutely gutted um then you know you've got a period sort of uproot your family bought a house developed a house um kids were in school um and again i know that happens in football this is that it's an industry that players are bought and sold um managers come and go and Mm -hmm. i'm not ever look back at it and think, oh, I should have been there forever <laughs> because football is not like that. And I've never, do, I never sort of dwelled on it. I never thought, I'm not one to to look back and, and think, oh, what could have, would have, should have, could have sort of thing. I, once it, once decisions are made and it's, there's, a, there's a different direction to go, I'm going down that direction. I'm just going to give it my all, whatever that may be. Um, so yeah, decision was made. We had a falling out, and we've spoke since. And he he apologised to me um, at when we played. When yeah. came a, to Huddersfield. A few, people, a few people have mentioned that as as the he sought you out at the ground. He kind of came and found you yeah, to apologise. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I've <laughs> got no reason not to say. It. I mean, yeah, we were. I think we were winning at half time, and they had not played very well, and I was walking down to the bench and he came to our bench, basically walked past the tunnel where he should have shot down to have a go at his players. And he, he came and grabbed me and just said, look, I want to have a quick word. And then all the players are still walking in and it's me and him talking in the tunnel. And he just said, look, I apologise. He said, it's sat with me since since it happened. Um, just want to apologise for what I did. And that was it. And I said, well, I thoroughly thank you for your apology. and I don't hold grudges. So... Let's move on. And then obviously the game went, someone corrected me, I think, after under the cosh. I think we won. And he still came and found me after the game. And we had another conversation by the bus and all their lads were on. He'd obviously got them on the bus sharpish to give them a rifle. And um, he got off the bus and had a chat with me. So we had a chat. And again, he just said, look, said, I regret the decision that was made at the time. And we move on. I'm glad you're doing well. and. I can tell that you've obviously what the character you are because you, you never you never look back and you never let it fall at what was going to come up for you. So I, I thank him for that, for, for being a man and saying, and if, listen, if you make a wrong decision and you apologise, yeah. it's fine by me. Um, and 
the, the final question on your on your time at Cardiff is we've saved it to last for, for obvious reasons. We've got we just got to ask about Peter Whittingham. Obviously, um, you, you mentioned him earlier, and and it's almost been a year since since he passed. Um, yeah. What were your memories of him as as a player as a bloke? I mean, we've spoken to Kev Gunner, and they always say that he was dry. He was just hilarious, had his quips, but what, what did you get a sense from you what he was like? Because no, I mean, we've we've not found anyone to say a bad word about him. No, no, and and rightly so. And I, and you won't hear one. Um, mm. He loved football. Oh, his love of the game was, and he he would be so. He would try so hard <laughs> not to show that he did. But it was if you asked him anything about any club, any league, um, any even European football, he'd just rattle it off. He would really? just he would quietly sit there. We used to have quizzes. <laughs> Business and he'd just he'd just say just dead monotone and just go yeah that and just give you the like he'd just say the answer he would never be like loud or put his arm up and say yeah I've got it he'd just say whatever it was it messy and then that would be it and he'd just like you just know that he knew everything about it um yeah I mean it's such a shock um yeah and it's it hit everyone hard and I feel so sorry for for Amanda and the little ones and Peter's family and both their families and anyone that knew him it's it's such a sad thing to happen and we were I was lucky to be in his team in a team with him because again and whether it's happened or not but the the player of the decade across the championship 100% in yeah unbelievable produced baller produced week on week out just like just sheer quality, and he'd deliver it. And he put it, put it where he'd say like, "You're going to put it there," and he'd put it there. And then he would, he would score some unbelievable goals. And he probably heard this, and he used to just run back and say, oh, that "Keeper should say that." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he'd be like, "He's small." Like, and he would just, he'd just run back. Give him a grab, and he'd just say, uh, "Yeah, come on, let's go for another one. Let's get like I want another one." And then that was him. Just like he he was Pete, and yeah, I mean, fond memories looking back at some of the some of the fun times we had. He was an absolute trooper on a night out as well. <laughs> just like like fully involved in everything, um, and yeah, he deserves his. His praise as a footballer and as what he was as a man as well. He was, yeah, class human being. I, I think that's what stands that. out most, isn't it? It's yeah. like a lot of people say one thing. Like everyone talks about how good he was as a footballer, but every single person is just just how good of a bloke he was. Yeah. And that's that's the main takeaway so, every single person so, says. So straight. He never he never mixed his words. If it wasn't for him, he didn't think it was good enough. He just he'd tell you. He'd be like, No, you're wrong. <laughs> And some people haven't got that, and he did. He just he would he would question it. He wants to know why. Would not want to know the answers. Um, and yeah, we've probably missed. One of my favourite memories is um, the the Leicester playoff goal, where you you he whips that free kick in off the post, and you're first to celebrate with him, and he almost looks a bit scared that you're about to embrace him. He kind of cowers a little bit. Yeah, yeah, sort of jumps. He's the, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, again, I think there's there was about eight people in the box waiting to for him to yeah. put it across, <laughs> and he's not he's not told anyone. He's not even made eye contact with anyone. He's just going to do what he does best, and that is 
just focus and then smash it in off the post. And then yeah. that was it. The noise of the post still rings in our ears, like Dang. cracked oh. off. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers for those stories, though. That's really nice to hear someone again yeah. just talk amazing stuff about that bloke. Yeah. Um, of course, he deserves it. Obviously, you left the club and went on to Huddersfield. Uh, you went and led them to probably one of the more surprising promotions in championship history. How do you look back on your time at Huddersfield? Yeah, again, um, I think it was something that at the time, obviously leaving Cardiff and, and going to Huddersfield um, was was a new chapter, um, another part of the country. Um, and I think the dean was the, the chairman, very ambitious. We had lots of good conversations um, about what was what need to help them with um, and build almost like a sort of a like what we'd had at Cardiff really um, and he was going to make it possible by getting the right people in the club and when I joined I wouldn't have said that we'd get promoted but I don't see why anyone would ever set a sort of a limit on things and Obviously, under it was Chris Powell um, at the time. Didn't go so well, and then again, managers change. So we ended up bringing in David Wagner, and that was. I think that was a bit of a shock at the time because it's Huddersfield and gone for a, a Dortmund B German manager. I think mm-hmm. that was out there thinking. Yeah. Obviously, Stuart Weber was there at the time. Um, and help that happen and ambitious for sure which showed sort of went hand in hand with my ambitions really at a time when when I signed and the conversations I had with Dean and then something like that happens trying to think a year-ish later that they go and sign a, a German manager forward thinking um, and attracts them to Huddersfield so he, he definitely proved what he'd said. Um, and then we went on to complete flip of <laughs> training, of ideas, of um, pre-season trips. That pre-season uh, trip sounds very unique from listening to the, part the Under the Kosh podcast. Well, I think they cut most of it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Sweden was, again... It's such a, it was unique. And when I said uh, earlier, and obviously in, on this, said about when managers get the opportunity to, to get in who they want, obviously we'd, I think David had come in in November. We changed everything, the training and everything, a bit by bit, he'd sort of adapted the training ground and the food, the lead up to games, the analysis. And then obviously we fought towards the end of the year, but that was to probably to be expected. Um, and then in the summer, got the opportunity to to bring the signings that he wanted to bring in. Um, some were leaving, and again, a bit of a, a big change. And then we he sort of started to let slip to me a little bit about what the possible trip were maybe, the kind of team bonding trip. Didn't let slip too much. 
definitely should have let me know more because <laughs> sure. I would have packed, packed something comfier. Um, but yeah, and it, again, it wasn't nothing to do with pre-season. We didn't do anything. Well, I'll say we didn't do any fitness. We were rowing for six, seven hours a day. That was probably part of fitness, but just took us away. Out. It was always trying to get us out um, to learn more about each other, more about ourselves. And it was perfect for what we needed. We had, again, quite a big change in the dressing room. Quite a few um, German players coming in, a few foreign players coming in uh, from Europe. And a lot had left. So there was an opportunity to bond the group before we started pre-season. That's why it's so important to get these things done, I think. And not to say that that's the only way, but there's definitely different ways that you can do it. Um, but yeah, we went on a four-day trip and it was no phones, <laughs> nothing personal with you um, and lots of different tasks while we were there. And the, I mean, the big one is, is sharing a different tent with someone every, every night and introducing them the next day. Yeah, that's and, fascinating. Yeah, I mean, and what a way to what a way to break down barriers, um, whether that's language barriers or that's just personal barriers, and and actually not force, but learn a lot about your group, and you can visually watch that throughout the four days unfold, and then you do tasks within it, group tasks and individual tasks, and different sort of units working with different units over that time in the four days. It did feel like about four years. Four <laughs> days. When I come back, Rack was in bits, but it was, yeah, it was, it was excellent. Um, and we did something different, completely different than I'd ever seen on top of what we'd already seen in the sort of previous, maybe seven months on the, in the training um, and the lead up to games, but yeah. And then this, that season, again, it's, something I'm so proud to be involved in that people will always write people off or say, how does it get promoted? And they come on, you know, you must have been eating something funky because that's not happening. But it's, yeah, I, I've never tried to put a ceiling on anything really. Just why bother? Don't, there's yeah. no, you should never limit what you can get to or what what's out there for people and individually or as a collective. So we just did what was deemed impossible but again it was a magical year you obviously then win the playoffs and retire after lifting the trophy at Wembley um was that sort of perfect way you sort of thought right now is the perfect time to end it or was it something planned a bit beforehand that you sort of said you knew before going into Wembley this was your last year um it'd been I'd thought about it. It wasn't something that was already done. Um, what was what was already done was the where I started to think about where I wanted to go. That had happened years before. Um, but luckily, obviously, luckily, or earned the right, and the club had given me that right as well. They'd given me at 34. I'd signed a three-year contract with, obviously, with a view to transitioning at some point. Whenever that may be, it's sort of down to the, obviously the coaches, uh, myself, um, the group, and the club. Um, so yeah, 34, I signed a, a three-year contract, and then got to a point where I thought I'd done my before that season started. Played in a pre-season friendly and tweaked my knee and got a grade. I think it was a grade two medial, um, and you're supposed to be out for ages with that, but. 
I ended up getting it jabbed quite a bit to play. And I started the season, played up till probably, I think, maybe end of November or something like that. And we obviously started really well. Um, then, then I got injured. And then obviously Hef came in and did well. And then I came back and played a game and I think I got injured again. And I just, body was starting to not like it at all. Um, physically, probably mentally as well. And I'd already started trying to learn the sessions and and have an idea of where I wanted to go. So I had a we obviously went on the run that we went on and got to got to Wembley. And I, I my my wife doesn't remember it and she thinks I'm I made it up, but <laughs> I walked I walked down once we'd once we'd lifted the trophy again at Wembley it was just like this is just incredible. Um and such a high and I because I was I just remember thinking, I think that's I think that's me done. Um, and what obviously what a way to finish, yeah. uh, thirty five, um, getting promoted to Premier League. And yeah. lots of people have said, "Oh, didn't you not fancy trying to get involved in some of the games?" And I was happy to. I've had such an amazing career. I never look back on it with any regrets. And I think I would want to be part of the next generation of helping the ones come through, um, whether that's in the first team or with the youth team or let the let the players play that probably physically able to play and, and probably better as well so why why hang about and make a big deal out of it so I had it was tough did it it doesn't come easy to, to hang your boots up and retire but um, we had lots of chats me and uh, David and he said if you want to do it or you want to play go and play if you want to go and play but I'm not going to stop you going to play um, if you want to transition then do it and down train and come and come and work with us and shadow us and see how we do it properly from the from the inside out so I did that you've also gone on to come back to Cardiff every now and again and do your badges with the FAW yes um how's that all going how sort of how have you enjoyed that it's been yeah I can't praise the FAW enough I think their courses are excellent um, I've met many many good coaches um, across all levels and yeah I'm on my pro license in a moment so the it's not something that gets learned overnight I think I did my I did my B 31 maybe and then maybe 30 31 and then I went into my A and then yeah the the courses that they 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 put on and there's obviously been some changes within that with Osh leaving and then Dave Adams coming in and taking the lead. And I, I think they've been fantastic. And yeah, I'm, I'm grateful to be part of it and, and learning a lot. So I think we're supposed to complete this year at some point, which will be nice. And there's a lot of work that goes into it. But yeah, it's, it, it's such a great way to learn. So, so coming out of that, what's... Mark Hudson's ethos as a football manager. Then, what? Or how are you looking to approach the game if you look to take it on? Well, that's such a. How long have you got? I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's it's all night. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, yeah. I've got an idea of how I want to play the game. I think that's what the the coaching badges and obviously studying the game um, sort of helps you achieve. And again, it's not something that's going to be once I finish my pro license, that's it. You know, it all. Mm-hmm. absolutely not. Um, it's a game that continually changes yeah I've got an idea on how I want to do things um, and the setup and style and um, 
the game's ever changing. Like I said, a lot of it at the moment is is transition based. As you look at that, I think it's a fast paced game currently. Um, like we we've talked about, as the game's speeding up year on year. Um, athletically, uh, tactically, so much goes into it now. A lot of I look at the way sort of likes of Brentford are playing. Um, mm. Swansea, obviously, I know you're not going to like the sounds of that, <laughs> but they're playing very good football. Um, we've recruited Guess I have to end, well. that, end that here then if we're praising Swansea. So we'll just take <laughs> smart. Fine, we'll yeah. cut it out. We'll cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you wouldn't like it. Let's, let's go on to Norwich. And Norwich obviously are playing really well as well. Um, I mean, there's lots of different ways to go about um, you setting your team up for sure. But yeah, and no, I've looked at a lot. Um, and like I said, it's not something that you wake up one morning and you go, yeah, I've cracked the game because that's that's just not the case. Um, there's ups and downs with it, but yeah, it's it's been it's been a really good learning experience stepping away from the game, which is something that I've maybe not had since I was 15. I think it was the first time I had a little time out. And then I think when you're in it, obviously then to kind of step away and then really put down on paper what you see as a philosophy or a game model um, with a training regime, um, a full planning and scheduling sort of, tactical base where you want to get to and how you want it to run and what training sessions you want to do and why you want to do them and probably put that alongside or you should put that alongside of how you want to play the game so yeah I've got that down you'll have to wait and find out won't you? <laughs> well hope so um so saying about like the infrastructure of clubs is really important sort of Benny uh Benny Factor the rasping dog as Ben calls him um he's asked a question of sort of what do you think needs to change? You look at Cardiff where they are at the moment and what do you think needs to change at the club for it to progress that next level and compete with the likes of Norwich and Swansea long-term? I think what we were saying about what, um, obviously what brings it closer to the fans, obviously, the, unfortunately, the fans aren't there at the moment, which every club is facing. Um, but what unites what unites Cardiff, um, and that's, I would say, what you want to see is, an intensity game. You want to see something that's intense from start to finish. Um, and whether that's being really, really aggressive against the ball and together and compact and something you can get behind and believe in or it, whether you're going to be attacking ferociously and being on the front foot and high pressing the team. There's definitely different ways to win the, game, win the game in the championship. There's not just one way of playing. I think you've got to be clever with it. You, there's not always going to be you can out-press a team. I think there's certain teams that may be able to break that um, so you've got to have a full idea of how that, whether it's home or away, but I think especially at home, you should be taking the game two teams. I think at home, it's, it's always been deemed as a fortress to me. Um, and it should be that. And it should be, let's not wait for teams to start dictating to us. You want to go and dictate to them for sure, from minute one till the, the final whistle goes in the game. So that's what I'd imagine that is wanted from within and obviously from the fans' point of view. Uh, following up from that, Yaya Meredith um, asks, what change would you look to make? You've come in as Cardiff manager. What are the first three things you'd sort of look to put, look to change or put in place if you got the chance? Well, this isn't a job interview, by the way. I know, yeah. <laughs> I say, yeah. That's some good questions, that. It's some good questions, but I think, obviously, you've got to... Firstly, I mean, obviously, I'd know certain a majority of the players. You've got to get to know the people first. Um and again, there'll probably be some staff members there that still know, but 
you have to understand what the wants and needs are for everyone within that football club. And if you've been given it, obviously you understand then what the ambition is of the club have that and I think then it's about how you build that ambition because there's no point being told what the ambition is you've got to then carry that and so then the players have to adapt to that ambition so then there's a way of, of planning that um, and building that together as a, as a collective um, and obviously giving the players that ownership they've got to own it as well there's no point like I said the board telling a manager then he says these are the ambitions and Let's go. This is what we've got to get to. You've got to, you've got to own it. I think the players have to own that as well. So there's a way of doing that. You know, there's a way of building up their what they expect um, and what's going to make them the best um, as players. And then I think that'd be the number one is building, like I said, building a platform of where you want to get to, and that makes sure that's agreeable to everyone. And then once you've done that, I think then it's about the training for me. It's so huge. I think you've got to. If you're going to play a certain way, you have to train it every day. Um, and are there ways of using extra days? As, like, I think there's always ways of learning on recovery days. I think you can use it any way you want. I think you can get you can get back out on the grass. I think there's aspects of trying to gain any percentage you can um, that can be used within the training facility, and and progressing as a team to do that. Um, that's probably number two would be the training and then three I'd say uniting the club with that mission I think getting bringing back a kind of togetherness I know it's very very difficult at the minute I think with what's going on um, but I think there are ways of doing that I think there's you can whether that's media whether that's players accepting that when you live in Cardiff you are part of a city that is wanting success and I think that I think that has to come down to again players knowing when you sign for Cardiff this is what it's going to be like so your part of your when you join this club is that you have to give certain a period of your time to bond and create that and want to be there and do that so and then just create that sort of togetherness again I think so part of your initiation would be they've got to spend a weekend with Die Hunt <laughs> <laughs> it's a maybe it's a maybe <laughs> I think um, I mean those music's probably a lot of Cardiff City fans ears and, and we'll get to the fans questions that you're probably pleased to know this is the, the final stretch of the questions tonight um, well one of the main questions we've been asked, I think it was asked by about four, four or five different people, and you probably know what's coming. Three Little Birds, Benefactor, Neil B, Peter Bradbury, Sean Collins, they all asked this question. Would you ever come back to manage Cardiff? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> I think most of those will be going after what you just said. We hope he comes back to Cardiff. I mean, obviously, with, with the recent managerial change, there's a lot of talk about whether you were considering throwing your hat into the ring. I mean, not to press you on it, but did you did you consider it? Is it something that you would have considered if you could? Yeah, of course. I would say no. It's, there's, there's part of me that thinks that I'd love to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and given the opportunity, we're in the car on the way down. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, 
again, I understand that that the question's been asked, and would I mean, yeah, I have no hesitation saying that I would take that job for sure. And I know there's many, many managers that probably say the same. Mm-hmm. So it's not something that should be a surprise. I don't think um, it'd be an it'd be an honour, um, but it's not something that I would just take because I played there. It's not, that's not how I see it. I don't see it as something because I had a good time as a player there. I, I just want to come back and run this football club. That is not the case. Um, it would be if I came back, it would be to make that club better. Um, and I think obviously that I would put myself in a position to be able to believe that I could do that. And that wouldn't be, like I said, just come back just to. Oh, welcome back. Brilliant. I'll be coming back to, to, to make a difference. And that's all I've ever wanted to do in football anyway. Again, I think more Cardiff City fans will be hoping that that is the case in the future after hearing that again. Um, Simon1927 asks, who was your favourite manager you worked under at Cardiff? Um, I mean, obviously, you look at the success I had, um, and, or we had, obviously, personally as well, under Malky. Um, and again, that probably... Some will like that, some won't. But again, I can only look at my own time there and mm-hmm. what we what we, what we what he did with recruitment and the team that was gelled, and obviously what then we succeeded with was just unbelievable. Like I said, the family friends that I've got now, including my wife and her friends, our kids are still friends with the kids that we we they grew up with. Then we still speak to people back in Cardiff. It's, it was just a successful time and a really enjoyable one as well. So, yeah, I'd say I'd say I'd say Mark, yeah. Um, Nathan L CCFC asked, "What was the favourite chant you heard the fans sing?" Um, it was a good time for chants. That one said the Kevin Norton chant was quite popular. <laughs> the, Ke- uh, the Kev one was unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was Kev the pinnacle one. of our fans' creativity. That chant. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, if it. I mean, you can't get over Kev's chart, I don't think. I mean, there was, I mean, that's just, whoever come up with that, <laughs> that deserves to go, like, that should be copyright, that. that's unbelievable. But there's, there was loads of different, I mean, obviously then, I mean, it wasn't even a song, but every time I got the ball after that, it was a shout of shoot. Um, <laughs> I think, what's that coming over the hill? That was a good yeah, one. Yeah, that obviously, was a good one. I like that. Um, yeah, there were so many. So many, but yeah, Kev, Kev's one was just so tongue in cheek. <laughs> yeah, I think it still gets sung down the games now. I think yeah. it's, still, it's the one chant that hasn't gone I away. I think Kev still sings it. <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean, I, I did once send Kev a drunk video of us on a train back from Gillingham singing that song. Right. And he was like, I'll save that for later. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I bet. I think he enjoyed it. Um, of course he did. Ollie James asks, who was the best centre half you played alongside? Um, ben Turner. Ben Turner, big Ben. Big Ben. Wow. Mr. Dependable. What just uh, and again I've looked through these and I've I've not just obviously leading up to this, but I've I always look back and think about players that have maybe had slightly more ability than say Ben, but he would not let you down. He would he was a man mountain. He, he was. just and what a guy as well, like which again, go back to recruitment, is just the most sound, friendliest giant of a man. He just, yeah, would do 
would be by your side for our, and that's the look I think we had as a team. I think I've said this before, I don't know if you heard this, that we could look around in a game and just think, you'd clock eyes with someone and maybe I'd clock with Ben and it would be, we'll be all right, yeah. And he loved the Diag as well. And he loved it, yeah. He did love a Diag, yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's, what a guy, yeah. No, I just, yeah, loved it. Just thought he was, just felt staunch next year. And mm-hmm. Always, when we were having a bit of a tear-up with whatever centre forwards it were, and obviously we got torn off a few times, but we just, a little wry smile, just have a little bit of a, yeah, we're winning this one. You um on, on Ben Turner, this is just a, a personal question. Are you surprised that he's he, you know he's playing in Notts County in the conference? Are you surprised he's still not playing at a higher level? Um, I mean he's I think he's had some injuries, if I'm yeah. not speaking out of turn. Um and again, not surprised in the way that he, he played the game. Um and obviously his, his stature is such a big thing as well. Mm-hmm. I think he had some problems, um, ankles maybe, um, and I know the feeling. But yeah, that's obviously that can be debilitating. Can be it can it can, it can hurt the maybe the level that you should play at, um, mm-hmm. which football's obviously not in the rugby world, but football can be it's pretty brutal on the body. Yeah, yeah well, for sure, for sure. No, it's just a curiosity thing. Um, Sam Meek, uh, the final two questions now. Sam Meek asks, who from the current squad would you most like to play alongside? Was that centre half, or is that as a as in the teammate? <laughs> I think as a teammate, um, take that question as you want. All right, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, I know Wilson's not yours um, or Cardiff's, but he's no. he's a talent. Um, yeah, he's a boy. What a talent. I think Big Moore, I think he is a handful. I think like he to, could Would you be... like to play against him? Absolutely not, no. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is what you should what should what be basically should be used if if you're looking at someone that thinks he's gonna be a he's gonna be handful mm-hmm. today and he, he should be like that every week. Um and he's he's been on a I think a, I mean since obviously he went from, from Wigan, I think he started flying at Wigan. Um he's game as you like, um and sometimes playing up there alone. Um so he's He's definitely a handful, someone that would be feared throughout the league, I'm pretty sure. Um, and Wilson's got quality ability. I think you've got some good youngsters as well. I think Shea, Shea Ojo mm-hmm. looks entertaining. Looks entertain. I think you need that. Um, you definitely need a couple of Mavericks, for sure. You need someone to unlock something. That's got to be the case. Um, and yeah, obviously, I know certain players there as well. I mean, I know Smithies. Obviously, I played with Smithies. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, big, big Sean played next to him very briefly, um, but know him well. Moz is a top centre half and he's a good leader as well. So um, he's a man, Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's a physical player. Um, and, the, and the final question, say, you know, say the, the kind of classic question for last from Dylan Hughes was what was your favourite moment in a Cardiff shirt? Uh, see, this is yeah. It's nice to when you have to think about it because there's obviously there's been more than one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think obviously getting promoted is unbelievable, regardless of circumstance. Mm-hmm. But being being promoted with with the football club and being the captain as well of 
such good men is yeah something that I'll I'll cherish forever for sure. Um, so yeah, I'd say I'd say I'd say winning the league the way we won the league. Well, yeah, for them, more, but leading the team out of Wembley weren't bad. <laughs> <at all>. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but that's. But I think that's it. Like, you know, when I, when I did that little intro at the start and you said there was a lot lot in there, you, you packed it in at Cardiff. And I think, you know, yeah. as, as, as fans, it was to have you as captain during one of the more, more enjoyable periods of time. It was, you were a captain fitting of it, really. Um, so I think- Well, was, I thank you, know, you. I thank you for that, yeah. It was it was a great time to be a Cardiff fan and we, we have to thank you for that as well. <laughs> no, it's, it's feelings mutual for sure. Um, yeah, no, it was, I think what was, Obviously, to end on this, probably what was so tough was the first year, and I know obviously no, obviously yeah. everyone knows what went on with that since. Um, but then to come and then have the highs is like I said, you've got to enjoy them while you have them because the lows can be quite low. So to come through what it came through in the first year, then to go on and do what we did was obviously makes it even more special. Sure. Great. Well, Mark, that was. Amazing. It was an honest talk. Oh, no, it was really good. And the question was good. No, no pleasure. Absolute pleasure. So long may the, uh, the team continue to, to move up. We've had some good results. So a, a good win. Uh, yeah. A rival. A rival, eh? <laughs> yeah. It's always a bit sweeter when you beat a rival, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. And especially at theirs. So it was yeah. nice, wasn't it? So no, they'll um, surely be fine. Fingers crossed. Yeah. And, let, let me know when it's going to come out. Ping me a message. Yeah, we'll do. Um, we'll, we'll try and get, I'll try and get it edited this week. Um, obviously, there's a few bits where I cut out, but um, we've had it recorded twice. We'll get it edited this week, and then hopefully we'll get it out next week. But um, of course, no we'll, give you, we'll give you a shout before it's done. But like, thank you so much for sparing the time for us. It was, like I said, a real honour. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thanks for the interview. I really enjoyed it as well. So, And good luck with everything going forward. Right. Nearly half time, pal. Your turn to get the ground round in. Off you go. No, you get this one in, mate, because I've got the beers sorted for later. What do you mean you've got the beers sorted for later? I got the last one. You know that's not how the ground round works. Listen here, bud. How does the offer of free beer sound? What do you mean free beer? No such thing, mate. Just go and get them in, man. Serious now. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash VFTN and cover just £5.95 for the postage, and you'll get your first case of eight globally sourced Fresh as can be, craft beers delivered right to your doorstep. What I mean is, I've already got hours waiting for us after this, and we'll need them after watching this shambles. What's the catch here now? Who are these people? Beer 52 are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, they send a case of craft beer from a different part of the world. Recent cases have included beer from the Alps, New Zealand, the USA, Ireland, Korea, and Germany. Bloody hell, that's not bad, is it? Yep, and if you do change your mind, you can pause or cancel your account at any time you like. Cracking. So how do I get it again? All you need to do is go to www.beer52, that's the numbers 52.com forward slash VFTN to get your first case of eight beers for just five ninety five. That's www.beer52.com forward slash VFTN. Sound? Pie with a pint then? You know I never say no to a pie. <laughs>